you have your Bibles, turn in them to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, the scripture we're going to be looking at is printed in the bulletin. It's printed in the bulletin on the inside back cover. And so we're going to be looking today just at 2 Timothy 1 verse 8 as we start a new series. So friends, friends listen, this is God's word. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This is God's word. There are some notes there underneath the scripture. Um, those were done at an early stage in the week, and uh, we're not going to actually look at those. So you can, you can have those as that's a, our free gift to you. So free of charge, no additional. Um, but uh, what we're doing today is we're beginning a series called Strength in Suffering. And uh, we're going to look specifically at how Paul talks to Timothy about the suffering that he has endured and is enduring and the coaching that he is giving to Timothy in the suffering that Timothy is also enduring. We looked at last week and in the weeks prior that Timothy struggled with being timid. Timothy struggled with being timid. There were things about Timothy that uh, caused him to be fearful. It caused him to, uh, to not be the, the, the person that God was calling him to be. And the thing that seems to have plagued Timothy was a fear of what people thought. There was a fear of what people thought. And so um, for Timothy to be the pastor that God was calling him to be uh, in that day and that age required that he was going to suffer. Um, and so Timothy was suffering. As we find him, um, he was suffering because there were people in the city where he was pastoring who were Jewish and they didn't like Jesus. And anybody that followed Jesus, they went after. And so there were religious people that were after Timothy and that would seek to make him, really to try to get him to shut up, um, to get him to, to dim the fire uh, of his relationship with God. And I think we deal with that too. I mean, it's interesting. We can talk about the kind of suffering that Paul was enduring, right? Paul was in prison. Paul was in prison suffering because he had been outspoken about Jesus. And for Timothy, um, at this point, we, don't, we know that Timothy would have seen Paul interacting, seeing Paul suffer. Um, at this point, we don't know if Timothy actually suffered like Paul did up to this point in his life, although we do get hints later on uh, that Timothy did, in fact, go to prison because of his faith. The book of Hebrews tells us that. And so, but there were religious people that were after Timothy, that wanted to argue with Timothy, that wanted to get Timothy involved in minutiae and details about theological wranglings, okay? And anybody ever feel like that is not just Timothy, but that's your life, right? Uh, it seems as though the big pressure on Timothy, the thing that Timothy was being pushed toward, the mold that Timothy was being pressed into was the mold that just said, look, we don't necessarily care what you believe. We just want you to shut up. Okay? As long as you don't share what you believe, then 
we're not going to have a problem with you. And when I think about it like that, I feel like Timothy's suffering is very relevant to us today. When I read about Paul, there are times when I I say, well, I know that there are parts of the world where this is happening, where Paul-type suffering is going on. But I feel like what we more often face here in this country at this point in time is, uh, is this pressure to be silent. And if you're not willing, if you don't, if you don't give in to that pressure, um, if you are not willing to be silent, then the kind of suffering that we have to deal with is really just, it's ridicule. Um, it's people's perceptions. Um, it's being ostracized. And, and this is real. This happens not just in friendships. There's people that will end up just not including us. Um, oftentimes there are, um, in work environments, this can be damaging to your career, where if you're not in, on the in, right, if, you're not, if you don't have the relationships that you need to have, then you can be not chosen, then you can be overlooked. Um, and so, um, and, and this, is, this is the kind of suffering that Timothy was dealing with, Timothy wanted to be a pastor. He wanted to follow in Paul's footsteps. He had this amazing example. And yet, for Timothy, he wasn't Paul. Timothy's gifts don't seem to be the kind of gifts that Paul had. And so, I think it's it's important for us, I, I guess it's important for us just to see the humanness behind this letter. Is that you have someone who is following Paul. Could you imagine what it would have been like to have been a disciple of Paul's? I mean, in some ways, boy, who wouldn't trade their right arm for that job, right? I mean, we'd all love to be discipled by Paul, because you could ask him all of your questions, right? And he's an apostle, so he can answer them for you. Um, And so from the perspective of being poured into, right, of learning, being the disciple of Paul would have been amazing. But then when you think about the calling of God on your life, when you think about trying to be a pastor and having Paul be the one who is going before you, Wow. We talk about expectations, right? I mean, how would you even begin to try to approach living up to the example of your mentor? And so, trying to climb into Timothy's mind, Timothy may have thought, well, shoot. I mean, why even try? Like, I'm never going to be like him, right? I'm just not like Paul. I don't have his gifts, I don't preach like him, I'm not bold like he is. And those are things that can cause us to think, well, if I'm not like that, then maybe I'm not anything. And yet, Paul knows. And the way that Paul comes to Timothy in verses 8 through 18 are this wonderful way that someone who has been there and is doing it helps someone else to come along. I mean, that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is you sharing with others about your relationship with Jesus. It's sharing the things that you know. It's sharing the things that you've experienced with someone else who, is, who wants to learn and who wants to run with you, who wants to live life with you. And so verses 8 through 18, we're going to take the next six weeks and we're going to look at them um, in sections and we're going to watch what Paul does with Timothy. And I think that as we do that, uh, Jesus is going to minister to us. 
Jesus is going to speak to each one of us in our lives. And he's also going to equip us to be able to do this with others. Okay, so in this series, some of you are going to receive from Jesus what you need. Um, Still more of you are going to feel equipped. You're going to feel equipped that what Jesus, what Paul does for Timothy, you're going to have a sense of, I think I can do this for someone else. Okay, and so as we go through this text uh, over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to see these things. So I hope that excites you. Because what we're going to see is that what Paul had that Timothy didn't have, but Paul was trying to give to Timothy, was strength in suffering. Okay? So often we think uh, when it comes to suffering, um, that if we're suffering, we're doing something wrong. And we're going to find out that's just not true. Let me just say it really clearly. If you're suffering today, it may not be that you're doing anything wrong. Okay? And so let's talk first really quickly about why we suffer. Okay? And there's different categories that we can think about where suffering comes from. I think first, suffering can come. The Bible says suffering can come when we do things that are wrong. Okay? And let me explain what this means. The Bible says that God is the source of all that is good. Right? God is love, the scripture says. God is peace. Uh, God is holy. God is righteous. God is wise. And so these things that we want to be part of our lives, we get them by being connected to God. If we have a relationship with the God who is love, then his love flows into us. Right? His peace flows into us. And so to the degree that we have a relationship with God, that's how much of, his, of, his, of who he is that we experience. Now, when we turn away from God, when we cut ourselves off from God, then our experience of him diminishes. And when we cut ourselves off from God, we experience less of who he is. Um, And so sometimes suffering happens because we cut ourselves off from the love of God. And we do this sometimes with our own sin. When we choose that we don't want to follow God's ways, it's like any other relationship that you have. When you dishonor someone else, when you do something that someone else doesn't like or hates or hurts someone else with the things that you say or do, that puts this thing in between you and them, right? And so when we do that with God, it's like there's a rock that drops in the river of his grace that flows to us, and it acts like a dam, okay? And the more we do that, the more rocks that are there, the less of God's grace flows into our lives, okay? There are scriptures that say that our prayers are hindered, when we dishonor God and we don't, and, and we're not talking about being perfect here, but when we sin, if we don't confess our sins, okay, suffering can result. So sometimes suffering comes because of the decisions that we make and the sins that we commit. It's not all suffering though, okay? Uh, and, and a huge amount of the scriptures teach us that not all suffering comes because of something you did, all right? So, but I want to acknowledge that that's reality. Um, second, the Bible also says that we suffer because we live in a broken world. Okay, the world that we live in has been, um, it's been marred by sin. If, if the beautiful world that God created was an oil painting, sin comes and takes hands and like swipes down the painting and mars. You can still see the painting. You can still enjoy some of it. You can still appreciate some of the beauty of it and the artistry behind it, but it's been significantly marred. And because of sin in the world, because the world has fallen and it's broken, there are times that we suffer 
just because we live in this broken world. Okay, things don't work. Communication, sometimes you didn't do anything wrong, but all of a sudden you have a conflict with somebody because it was misunderstanding, right? So it's not sin, per se, that you've committed that causes suffering, but it's just because we live in a broken world. And so sometimes sin results from being, or suffering happens because we live in a broken world. And then third, and I think more pointed to what Paul is saying here, um, is that suffering can happen when you intentionally identify with Jesus, Suffering happens when you intentionally identify with Jesus because not everybody loves Jesus. So we live in a world where there are people who don't love Jesus and don't love people who follow Jesus' ways. Now, you can't say that without, I mean, the immediate caveat that comes to my mind is that, um, that there are times when followers of Jesus do things and they deserve to suffer for what they do, <laughs> right? There are times when we deserve the ridicule that we get. We deserve the, um, the shame that's heaped on us. We deserve um, the punishment, I think, that we receive from the culture because we do things when we're hypocritical, um, when we do things that are wrong in the name of Jesus. Sometimes the world can tell faster than the church where the church is wrong because we're blind, and so there are times when we suffer, and it really, this, this goes back into that first category, okay? So not all suffering for the name of Jesus is necessarily um, this third category. Sometimes it's the first where we're doing something sinful, and God himself, or Jesus himself, is as much opposed to the church as the culture is, okay? But suffering also happens, um, suffering also happens because we intentionally identify with Jesus, and I think that's the kind of suffering that Paul is speaking to Timothy about in this passage. Okay, so we're going to look specifically at verse 8 here in just a moment. But I also think that the principles that we learn from Paul in dealing with this kind of suffering, you know, suffering for the sake of, of following Jesus, the principles that apply to that kind of suffering, I think can be applied also to suffering just because we live in a broken world. Okay, and so... Um, if you don't feel like you are suffering for the sake of Jesus right now in your life, um, don't tune out. Don't tune out because the principles that we see Paul give apply just as much to other kinds of suffering. Um, plus, if you're not suffering because you're identifying with Jesus, you need to ask yourself a question like, are you really publicly identifying with Jesus? It's possible that you've gotten to a place where where you're not anymore, where you have let the fire of your relationship with God die down so that no one can see its light. And so, but Paul, so Paul instructs Timothy um, and he begins to teach him about suffering. And what does he say in verse 8? He says, therefore, therefore, and so this is because of what he's already said, because God has given you not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and self-control. Right? Because of what God has done in you, Timothy, I'm going to call you to do something. Okay, this is how the gospel works. The Bible is not a set of rules that God puts out there to tell you, do these or, or else. That's not how God works. What God does in the gospel is God uses the word therefore. The word therefore is essential to understanding the gospel. 
the word therefore teaches us that all of God's commands, listen to this, all of God's commands come as a result of what he has done for us in Christ. Before God tells you to do anything, God wants you to know what he has done for you and what he does in you. That's what this text says. Right? Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, don't be ashamed. Okay? The reason that you can do, Timothy, the reason you can do this is not because you have it in you, in and of yourself, to obey God in this way. Because on your own, you can't do this. But the gospel says, you're not alone. You're not alone. And so therefore, Paul says, because of what Jesus has done for you, because of what Jesus does in you, because of the spirit that you have, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So he's saying, don't be ashamed. And when he says this, when he says this, what's, like, really, I was thinking this week, what is the big deal about being ashamed? I mean, obviously, being ashamed is kind of a drag. You know, we never want to feel shame, but, like, what's really the point of not being ashamed? And as I thought about that, um, I was thinking, well, like, the problem with being ashamed about our Lord is that we're ashamed about our Lord. I mean, think about that. Like, what's, well, is it really that big a deal if we're ashamed of Jesus? Like, certainly he understands. And he does. He really does understand. But have you ever thought about it like that? That at the times when you're unwilling to share, at the times when you feel afraid to step out and be honest about your relationship with God, that at that moment you're being ashamed of Jesus? This cuts. I mean, this cuts into my heart. And, um, and I think it offers an explanation of what we're feeling that searches our hearts. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. I mean, I don't. I don't. After all that he's done for me, right? After all that he's done. So Jesus leaves heaven comes to earth. He leaves the place where he is worshipped and glorified in perfection. He leaves that place and comes here. Because he came to save people, right? And when he looks around for the people that he's going to save, he doesn't look to the righteous, but he looks to sinners. And one of the first things that Jesus ever did was he went out to the Jordan River to join the baptism of John. Why was John baptizing people? says he was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. Right? He was baptizing. It says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, they were baptized by John in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. And so John was saying, hey folks, the Messiah is coming. We've got to get ready. And the way to get ready is for us to repent. We need to turn back to God. There's things that we're doing, things that we're not doing, that we shouldn't be doing, that we should be doing. We need to turn around and face God and get right with Him again. 
Well, when Jesus comes and Jesus looks at identifying with people, he says, the people who are confessing their sins, those are my people. And so Jesus is not ashamed to identify with us as sinners. And Jesus knew by identifying with the wrong people, it was going to lead him to get in trouble. And so Jesus begins this ministry and lives for us so that we would know the truth. And not just know the truth, but so that he could set us free from our sins. Jesus endured ridicule. He endured shame. He endured persecution and suffering for his whole life because he wasn't ashamed to call us his people. And when I think about that, I think, man, okay, Jesus, whatever you want, I never, ever want to be ashamed of you. So I think that's why. I mean, that's why we don't want to be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord. We don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. Then practically, remember last week we talked about fear and what fear does to us? It shrinks us. It makes us less than who we are. It makes us less than what God has made us to be. Shame does the same thing. Shame and fear go hand in hand. And so you're not going to be true to who you really are if you're ashamed. So Paul says, don't be ashamed about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. And so, clearly there were people who heard the gospel. They heard about a Messiah who would come and identify with the wrong people. They heard about a Messiah who came and then was captured by the Romans, who was, in a sense, conquered by the Jews, who gave him up to the Romans. Um, and clearly lost the fight, right? was crucified. Um, if you want to talk about why you're going to follow Jesus, you want to f- <laughs> be able to tell the story of victory, right? You want to tell the story of, um, of success, right? It's a good time right now to be an SDSU fan, right? Because you have a story of success. And yet the testimony of Jesus, the testimony about Jesus was he was crucified. Was he, was cra- he was captured and crucified. That doesn't happen to people when God is on their side. Right? So these are the arguments that would go against Jesus. And Paul is saying, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't forget, Timothy. Don't forget. And don't be ashamed of me either. Timothy, weren't you with Paul? Well, kind of depends on what you mean by with. I mean, when he got arrested, I wasn't with him. Um, so Paul is very honestly putting before Timothy the reality of where he is. He's been ashamed of Jesus. He's been ashamed of Paul. And what he does is he flips it. He flips everything upside down. He says, don't be ashamed. Look at the, last, the, the second part of this verse. He says, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. What Paul does here is he turns this into an invitation. He turns this into an invitation. Paul is now inviting Timothy 
back into suffering. Paul is saying, look, Timothy, don't be ashamed, but instead, share. I want you to come back. I want you to come back and share in the suffering. To share in suffering for the gospel. Why would he want to do this? Why would he want to do this? Paul says, come back, come. I want, I want to invite you. He turns this into an, into an invitation. Share in suffering for the gospel. We don't actually know from this verse. Okay, Paul actually doesn't give the answer. Paul actually explains why he is suffering and why suffering happens in this way when you identify with Jesus a few verses later. So we're gonna, you have to keep coming back to, um, to see the real answer here. But what he does is he says, Timothy, I want to invite you to come and to suffer. Come back and suffer for the gospel and do it by the power of God. The way that you do this, the way that you share in suffering, um, when you do this, you're not alone. You do this by the power of God. You do this by the power of God. <clears throat> and so what this is, this is, a, it's a command and an invitation, right? It's a command not to be ashamed and an invitation to recognize the reality that suffering is going to happen. If you identify with Jesus, then you're going to suffer for the gospel. And so Paul is reminding Timothy of the reality that he signed up for at the beginning. I think Timothy knew this at the beginning. Right? He understood this. And maybe he didn't understand the degree of the suffering. And that's what's caused him to back down. It's caused him to, to clam up. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to come back. I want you to come back because this is who you are. This is God's calling in your life. You have this spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so I want you to come back in and suffer. Do you think that becoming a Christian is an invitation to an easy life? I think sometimes that can happen. And actually, if you've come here, I think that can happen because we talk about the blessings of God. Right? We talk about the amazing ways that God has given us his extravagant grace. Right? God's extravagant grace of Christ's work for us, that he died for us and rose again, that he works in us that he has changed us from the inside out. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a new mind. He's renewed us and is making us new from the inside out. Right? That he dwells in us, that his spirit dwells in us. These are blessings. Ephesians 1.3 says that God has blessed us with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so God has literally opened up heaven and poured heaven out on us so that we now begin to experience a foretaste of the perfect life of the future. This is what God has given to us in Christ. And so I think sometimes when we talk about these blessings, we can begin to think, wow, this is going to be great. And we think about this being great, we think, well, then we shouldn't have to suffer. It shouldn't be hard. But Paul is saying, no, no. These blessings come from Jesus, but they come with a call to follow Jesus. And in the way that they treated him, you can expect that they may treat you as well.
And so if you are suffering, Paul says you might be in exactly the right place where God wants you. If you're not suffering, then Paul, the Jesus through Paul is going to invite you. Are you willing to suffer? If Jesus asks you to suffer, if following him causes you to suffer, are you willing? It's in moments like this when we see the teeth in the call of Jesus. And I don't think it's a bait and switch, or at least it shouldn't be. It's not a bait and switch because we see what happened to Jesus. Right? If Jesus suffered, then those who follow him also will because the things that put Jesus on the cross continue in our day. And knowing this is helpful. Like just knowing that suffering is part of life I think is helpful because it, it just it sets our expectations. So there are going to be people in your life who won't like what you do. There are going to be times when you do things differently from everyone else. And the point isn't to make anybody feel bad, but it's just to continue to follow Jesus. Right? Not to hide who you are, not to be less than who you are. And Paul says the way that you do this is by God's power. It's by the power that comes from the gospel. And the power of God, this connects back to verse 7. Because God's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The same power that rested on Jesus now rests in you if you believe in him. When you believe, God gives you a spirit of power. And the way to endure suffering, the way to find strength in suffering, is from the power of God that God gives you in his spirit. So what does it look like to walk in this power? What does it look like? to walk in the power. Do you know how to do that? Like how do you walk in the power of God? I think the best way to think about this is to realize that you're not alone. Is to remember that the powerful one is always with you. That Jesus says, I am with you even to the end of the age. So that when you suffer, you're not alone. The martyrs throughout history have been able to face the flames, have been able to face the guillotine, have been able to face torture and beatings without number. And they've been able to do that, and the testimony of their experience at the end is they're not alone. That when they say yes to the invitation to suffer, in that moment when they're suffering, Jesus meets them there. I think for us to be invited into suffering, you need to realize that, I know some of you are already suffering like this. Um, I think for many of us, we feel like suffering is maybe two or three decisions away from where we are. And what I want you to understand is that when suffering is two or three decisions away, you know, what I mean by this is for you to identify with Jesus and to be honest about your relationship with him, okay? If you know that's going to lead to suffering, then you need to understand that these two or three decisions, this fearful place that you envision yourself being in, this scary place, right, this place that causes you to clam up in fear and shame, 
This thing that caused you to be quiet about your relationship with God, right? This environment, this situation, this relationship, okay? I want you to know that Jesus is standing here and he is reaching out and asking you to join him. He's asking you to join him. He's here. More of him is here. Okay, there is a calling from God in your life. And that calling includes identifying with him. And so there are things that God has given to you. In some ways, you have every blessing in the heavenly places, but there are things about God that you will not experience until you let Christ work through you, until you follow him by faith. To go from here to there takes faith. And for me, the thing that strengthens me most to be able to walk into this situation is knowing that Jesus is here already. Because if he's here and I join him here, I know it'll be okay. I know that, not that everything will work out okay, but I know that he will give me the strength that I need. Because when he is near, then I am strong. Right? Weak made love. I'm sorry, weak made strong in the power of his love. We just sang about it. And I think, too, um, that it's important for us to talk about this, not just for the sake of those of us who are already Christians, but for those of you who are here and you're not Christians. Um, this is part of what it means. Right? Part of identifying with Jesus means following him wherever he leads. It means following him wherever he goes. And so this is actually the, the suffering piece, the ashamed piece, um, if you're on the outside of the church, then you watch how the culture attacks. You watch how things are said. Sometimes it's deserved. Don't want to ever forget saying that. Sometimes we deserve what we get. Other times um, we are made to suffer because the church doesn't like, or because the culture doesn't like Jesus for whatever reason. Um, if that's part of what keeps you from following Jesus, that you don't want to identify with him because maybe you are ashamed, you need to know that you're not alone that God will give you a power and a family uh, to walk with you. So let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we, as we think about this verse, we sense this invitation to suffer. And we confess to you that there are times when, um, when we have failed. There are times when we have been ashamed and we confess that to you. Father, thank you for the honest way that Paul speaks to Timothy about where he is. We need to do this for each other, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that at least gives us a chance to understand where we are. I think sometimes, Lord, this is another one of those hard things that we need to hear. And so, Father, please help us as we confess the shame that we feel toward you. Jesus, we're sorry. We're sorry that, uh, that we clam up. We're sorry for not um, being more bold and more courageous about our relationship with you. But would you fill us? Would you remind us that we have your power? Would you remind us that we have your spirit, your very presence in us?
And would you help us with each other first? Help us to just be honest in the relationships that we have, in our life group, in our discipleship relationships. Help us to be honest about where we are so that we can pray together to you to give us the strength that we need. And then, Lord, I pray that this week you would help us to move in to those places where we are afraid. Jesus, help us to see you in that place. Help us to picture you in that place of fear where we get ashamed. Help us to see you with gentleness and boldness so that we can then join you there and speak and act in ways that in ways that we just show people what it means to have a relationship with you. Fill us with your power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.